and welcome back to Biblical Time Machine, uh, Easter edition. This is the last of our Easter episodes, and I am Dave Roos, uh, a journalist and one of your hosts here at Biblical Time Machine, and I'm here, as always, with the amazing Helen Bond, professor of Christian origins at the University of Edinburgh, and my good friend, Helen, how's it going today? It's going very well, Dave, and I'm really looking forward to this. Is is this the third of our Easter episode? So is this the last It's of the it? 26th. We've done 26 of them somehow. No, this is the fourth or fifth. And yeah, we've done, we did Caiaphas, the high priest. We've talked about uh, Pontius Pilate, of course. Dating? We got dating into the crucifixion? Yeah, the dating yeah. of Easter. Um, which is very hard, and we did a lot of math. And, uh, <laughs> that was a complicated one, wasn't it? Yeah, you need a, know, a health But we warning. might have <laughs> – yeah, please. If, if Trigger warning if you're math-impaired like us. Um, and now we've gotten to the, the best baddie of all, and we've, we've saved the best for last, uh, Judas Iscariot. Um, I, hear, I understand you have, you have some sympathy for our friend Judas, you, <laughs> right? I always seem to like the bad guys. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> I just always think, well, maybe there's another side to these things. And, you know, what I choice know. did he have? Poor old Judas. And if he hadn't done what he did, I mean, where would Christianity be? Where would we be? Where would we needed, it all be? Somebody needed, or did somebody need to do it? That's kind of the question we're <laughs> going to get into. Did, he, did Jesus even need to be betrayed? Like, couldn't they have just kind of, didn't anybody know where he was and they could have arrested him? Mm. That's what we're going to get into in today's episode. We have a terrific guest, uh, Paul Middleton. He's a professor of New Testament and early Christianity at the University of Chester, and he is uh he has a delightful Scottish accent. You you hear Scottish accents all the time, so it's it's old to you, but I find it I found it delightful. Um and Paul, yeah, Paul has has studied Judas. He's also studies uh, martyrdom in early Christianity. And we're going to get into it like did did okay. We're not going to answer the question did Judas exist because that's impossible. But if he's one of the apostles you know why did this why did he have to do what he did did he have to do what he did yeah. was did he have free will was he forced to do it by satan or, or did jesus make him do it these are all big questions yeah they certainly are the biggest ones of all <laughs> so let's not keep our listeners waiting let's let's go to our conversation with paul middleton about judas iscariot Paul Middleton, and welcome to Biblical Time Machine. Hello. Well, um, thanks for coming on and talking about our friend Judas. Um, I, I, I've done this on several podcasts where I, I just get a little bit obsessed with names. I just find names and ancient names kind of fascinating. And this one, I think, is, is mysterious, right? So do we know, do you know, I guess, <laughs> why... He's called Judas Iscariot. Do we know what this Iscariot name is referring to? Well, I mean, that could have obviously been his name. So, um, uh, but there's, there's, there's really a few different uh, ideas about where Iscariot comes from. Um, ones might be he comes from Keriot, so he's the, the, the man from Keriot, Iscariot. Um, or he could be uh, associated with the um, the Sicarius, the kind of dagger men, the Sicarii. Um, and sometimes um, he's placed beside uh, Simon the Zealot 
in the disciples lists. Um, so perhaps um, that that's deliberate. Uh, but it, it's it's probably the case that it's maybe a place name uh, and maybe not that uh, dramatic. Okay. Uh, but Judas is maybe more interesting as well, uh, because again, Judas is a really common name uh, okay. in, in the first century. Uh, uh, Judas's brother, for example, is called uh, uh, Jude Judas, uh, and of course that might set some some hairs running about what the possible relationship between uh, Judas and, and Jesus might have been. Mm. But again, I suspect it wasn't quite as as uh, interesting as that. Uh, one theory which I'm kind of attracted to um, is. Uh, the the story of uh, Judah in the in in the, the Joseph story because uh, Judah is the one that has the idea to sell uh, Joseph uh, to oh. the Egyptians uh, for twenty pieces of gold, oh. and he also tries to hand it back and get you know, his second thoughts. Um, and there's also a, um, a a later text, uh, the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, where uh, Jacob is telling his sons what's going to happen to him. And in in I think it's the Testament of Gad, um, uh, Judah actually admits that he sold Joseph for thirty pieces of gold uh-huh. but kept ten back. Uh, so it's all very scandalous stuff. So um, so there might be. Um, some connection there but again Judas is a pretty common name and it may just be that was his name and it's not quite as exciting as as, as it might have been <laughs> now is that is that a Paul Middleton original is that your theory because I had not seen that before I uh, know um ah. that uh, uh, Duncan Derrett uh, I think suggests uh, suggests that well I like um, that I, yeah I hadn't uh, seen that that parallel. That would that would assume that 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 Judas is a constructed or an invented um, figure, sure. uh, to in order to make that connection fit. Mm. And and you say Judas and Jude are kind of they're they're the same name basically in the, ancient times. Yeah, it's the same name. So uh, I think there's eight um, Judases or Judes altogether in the the New Testament, including yeah. Jesus's brother. Okay, how many brothers does Jesus have? I feel like every time we talk, it's like, oh, then that one of Jesus's brothers was also named that. How many are named in the in the in the Gospels? Like four? I, don't know, actually, I think it's four. Is it four? Is it four? And oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. an indeterminate number of sisters. It's in oh, right. uh, Mark six, isn't it? All right. Well, Helen's going to look this up while we keep yeah. talking. Um, yeah, because we want to be precise <laughs> here on the Bible time machine. Yes, we we have to get this right. Well, all right, so. So you said that maybe that brings up ideas of the relationship that the Judas had with Jesus. Is there anything again in the Gospels that hints at Judas's background? We have these other um, apostles that were fishermen, and some of them, you know, were relatives or something. But who do we know anything about Jude's? Oh, I'm sorry, Judas's uh, Judas's background. No, we we're not told anything. Um, okay, he's, John's Gospel it tells us his father was called Simon. Um, that may actually be a conflation of Simon the Zealot. Uh, Simon doesn't appear in, in in John's Gospel in the list of disciples. Um, it might have been his, traditionally his, his, his name. Uh, all that we're told is at the end of the disciples list and it's the one who would betray Jesus. So that's really how he's introduced um, right, right from the start. He's the, the betrayer or the, the traitor in uh, Luke's Gospel. So can I can I just clarify Jesus's brothers there's there's four of them according to Mark so there's James and Joseph and Judas and Simon so so there is a Judas in there but I mean like Paul says it's a really really common name so um okay. 
you know, you can get two are, people are, with that name. Is it like, is it Mary common? Is it that common? Or is it up there? Maybe not that common. I mean, no, okay. almost every woman is called Mary, or a third sure. of women are called Mary. But um, yeah, I mean, because that's where you get the word, the name Judah, uh, Judah, you know, the, the, the country too. So um, it is pretty, pretty common. And of course, the, the book of Jude, the letter of yeah. Jude in the yeah. New Testament is supposedly by Jesus's brother. Yeah. Um, can I can I ask you about that, this whole betrayal thing then? So he's he's introduced as the one who betrayed Jesus. What what exactly is it that he betrayed, and or, or what do you think? I mean, is he the betrayer? What's your thesis about him? Well, so I, I don't think um, Judas betrayed uh, Jesus. Um, so if Judas was a historical figure at all and one of the disciples, uh, I don't actually think the betrayal itself is historical. For several reasons. Um, first of all, when you actually just read the story, it's it's a really flat, motiveless mm. story. There's there's no reason given um, for 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 Judas to, to betray Jesus. Uh, the whole money thing just becomes developed um, as you, you know, Matthew introduces mm. the thirty pieces of silver, and then John later says that uh, Jesus uh, Judas was was greedy, and uh, you know that's that's kind of partly explains the motive there. Um, so there's, there's no motive. The, the, the betrayal itself is, is, again, really underdeveloped. And there's actually a continuity error um, <laughs> in the, the, the text. So in Gethsemane, um, Judas appears with, um, with, with the, the chief priests and some soldiers, but we're never actually told that he left the group. Uh, only in John does it say that mm. Judas went out and it was mm. night, you know, so that, that, that air of treachery. Um, and so it, it almost seems like a, a, an afterthought, uh, sort of tradition that's been uh, kind of picked up. Um, but there's really that uh, just lack of explanation about why uh, 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 Judas betrayed Jesus. And of course, it even leaves open the story, like, why did uh, anyone need to mm. point Jesus out mm. um, if uh, Jesus is... is uh, have has an open ministry and you know turn some tables in the temple and, and so on so it, it's it's it seems to me that this just seems to be a, a story that that has some kind of problems just through being uh, underdeveloped but why would anybody make a story like that up because i mean it, it shows jesus in a poor light doesn't it you know one of his closest disciples um gives him up what kind yeah, of man so, is jesus yeah so um so this is kind of known as the kind of criterion of embarrassment, where uh -huh. if something's embarrassing, it might be uh, true. And what could be more embarrassing than someone mm. uh, Jesus chose to to, uh, to, to betray him? Uh, but if we actually look at the, the story, uh, Jesus is always in control. Jesus knows what's going to happen. Uh, and if we actually go back a bit further into the earlier traditions before the Gospels, uh, we can see again a, a gap that the story doesn't seem to be known. So Paul says, um, when he's telling the story of the, the Last Supper, on the night in which, and then you know, people probably have heard in church at uh, the kind of uh, communion uh, or the Eucharist, uh, on the night in which he was betrayed, uh, which might seem to indicate that Paul knows the story. But that word just simply means uh, to be handed over, the word paradidomai. Mm. Uh, and most of the times that appears in the New Testament, it's not translated uh, betray, yeah. just really when it relates to Judas or the kind of related story where uh, believers might be betrayed by their, their family members in Mark uh, chapter 13. Um, 
And if you actually asked Paul who gave up Jesus, who gave over Jesus, um, his answer would be, well, God did it. In Romans 8, mm-hmm. um, uh, God who did not withhold his son but gave his son um, up for us. And actually in Galatians, um, Paul says that it was Jesus who, who gave himself up. So this um, handing over uh, doesn't necessarily have to have a, a human um, uh, agent in, in Paul. And even more telling, I think, is what I call the kind of intact 12 tradition. Uh, when Paul recounts the, the resurrection appearances, he says, which and he's probably quoting from an earlier uh, creed, he, he says, um, uh, Jesus appeared to, to Cephas, to Peter, and to the 12. Hmm. Now, when Luke and Matthew describe the resurrection appearances, they very pointedly say the 11, because Matthew has killed Judas off by this point, and Luke thinks that uh, Judas has become an outsider. So there's this idea of the 12. So Paul doesn't know about a renegade disciple. And even in the Gospels themselves, um, the kind of overlapping material between Matthew and Luke, which some people think is from a source which is called Q. Um, there's also an intact 12 tradition uh, where um, Jesus says, you, you'll be on the tw- when the Son of Man comes, you'll be on the 12, tri- 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm. So whenever that comes in the tradition, it was probably uh, before, before Mark, uh, again, there's the evidence of an intact 12. And you also get in Revelation, um, the, the city has got 12 foundations with the 12 apostles. Now, Luke replaces Judas, but um, but this this kind of early tradition suggests that there is a uh, the 12 go about intact with their integrity intact. So this idea of a renegade disciple comes uh, much later. Well, so, yeah, so I guess, I mean, all right, first of all, wow, I think for a lot of our, <laughs> I think for a lot of our listeners are like, oh, wow, I never noticed any of this before. So if we... Let's assume that, that Judas was, you know, one of the 12 apostles. Why would this tradition enter? Why would you need somebody to betray him in this story? What role would that function? Was there a literary tradition existing that, you know, that you needed to have someone betray the, the great, you know, hero of the story? Or where did this, where did this, where did this come from? So, if, again, if we take the earliest traditions of Paul, Paul is really either radically disinterested or doesn't know very much about Jesus's life. Um, you know, he's born of a woman under the law, so he's basically <laughs> Jewish. Uh, and then you get the, the Last Supper tradition and then just the fact of crucifixion and, and resurrection. So Paul can construct a, a fairly sophisticated theological gospel mm. without reference to Jesus's um, teaching, miracles um, and life beyond the Last Supper, which is, is probably reflecting a early Christian practice. But when you start to put that into a story form, you know, well, what happened? Uh, so you've got the, the upper room tradition and you've got to somehow get Jesus from the upper room to the cross. Hmm. Um, and uh, we, we struggle with the, the problem of, of witnesses. So quite a lot of the, the passion narrative can be reconstructed from the Hebrew Bible, particularly the, the Psalms. And it may well be that admittedly speculative, but the, the tradition of the, the Last Supper from Paul with this word handed over, paradidomai, has a kind of double double meaning. Um, and so it could well be that this is where the idea uh, came from. But also in Mark, where you've got the, the passion predictions, 
um, which uh, become you know quite uh, quite uh, detailed. Um, you know, the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem. He'll be um, handed over to the the chief priests and the scribes, mm. which again doesn't necessarily need a human agent, and then they will hand him over to the mm. the Gentiles, and he'll be spat on, flogged, and uh, crucified, and then will rise again. Um, now it's possible Mark creates this saying in order to fit the story that he's going to tell because his his passion follows that pretty uh, exactly. Yeah. But if that passion prediction, at least in some form, comes uh, to Mark, um, then even though the, the human agent isn't named, uh, when you come to tell the story, if you think about the Gospels as effectively stage direction, um, that might be one way of, of, of uh, introducing a method by which Jesus gets from the upper room uh, to to the cross uh, through someone handing him over. And this is where I would suggest that it's perhaps less embarrassing if Jesus is in control of events. Uh, so it's someone Jesus has chosen, someone that, uh, that, that scripture predicts. You know, Again, all of this is, uh, the, the evangelists very carefully map out that none of this is an accident, mm. that all of this is, is meant to happen. Uh, Matthew and Luke and, and John even more explicitly, but but it's there, it's there in Mark. So um, this might be one way of of getting Jesus from uh, the upper room to uh, to the, Gethsemane. Uh, is of course got lots of you know, who was there to to record it, and <laughs> Jesus's prayer seems based on the Lord's Supper, the, the, the Lord's prayer rather. Um, so that's 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 my take. That's my speculation on how that entered in. And what about? Am, am I right in thinking that uh, King David was was betrayed in the Old Testament too? Wasn't it Ahithophel or something like that? So do you think do you think there's sort of traditions from there? You know, if it was good enough for David, or there's there's mm. kind of ideas that are linking Jesus in some way with King David. Could that be a possible background too? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think taking all these things together with uh, with sayings about, you know, by, even the person that eats with me has betrayed me or mm-hmm. turned against me, um, uh, which is picked up very explicitly in, in, in some of the Gospels. Uh, this this tradition could be, could, could, uh, and it could develop. And of course, uh, Judas's death um, by hanging and Ahitophel's death by hanging mm-hmm. um, is, 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 seems to be very closely paralleled as well. Wait, so you're saying in the David story, there's that same phrase of like, even the person who eats with me is going to betray me. That came from the Old Testament story. Is that what you're saying? It's in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's in the Psalms. Okay. Sort of the, yeah. uh, and I think John quotes that um, from, from memory. Oh, cool. Well, all right. Well, we're, we're talking about famous sayings and phrases. So, you know, the, the, this moment where Judas betrays Jesus, you know, with a kiss, he comes up and he, he kisses him on the cheek and, and that's how he's identified for the priest, which again, seems unnecessary. You think they would have known who he was at this point, but, um, <laughs> is that the origin of that, uh, you know, to be betrayed with a kiss? Is that just from there or does that have a, have a reference, even earlier reference? Yeah, well, it doesn't say where uh, Judas kissed Jesus, actually. Um, just oh. says that he kissed him. Um, so I, I, I don't think that this is a, a traditional method of, of betrayal. There is a, um, a, there is a story, um, again, it involves uh, David when, when his kind of kingdom was falling apart and um, a guy called uh, Joab um, goes to, to, to kiss um, someone called Amosa and um, stabs him uh, while he's in the act yeah. of the, the kiss of friendship. So I think what we're meant to 
uh, get from this is that this is a, a supposedly an act of of close intimacy of friendship and mm. and and yet it's a moment of of high treason and uh, mm. betrayal. Uh, so I think that's probably what we've we've got going there. But it is the origin that, you know, of of mm. as far as I'm aware of of the the kiss being a sign of betrayal. Um, which of course has meant that the, the name Judas has gone into history as the as kind of the arch betrayer yeah. because of this act of friendship. Yeah, everyone knows what a Judas is, don't they? Yeah. yeah. But what about this? Um, so we get two traditions of his death, don't we? There's two different ways of of. I mean, well, in one he in in Matthew he kills himself, doesn't he? So yeah. I mean, what's what's going on there? Yeah. So um, so I I I think. We don't know how um, uh, Judas dies. I think uh, both... If, um, if he even lived. <laughs> yes, if he lived. Um, I think both Matthew, who has Judas um, uh, hang himself, and Luke, who kills him in a, a, a different way, um, uh, are, are, are both uh, theologically uh, constructed. So in Matthew, uh, one of the interesting things about the betrayal, when Matthew goes, uh, Judas goes to the chief priest and asks... What will you give me to betray him? That's uh, in Mark. They just promised to give him money, but in Matthew he gets the money up front, mm. and that becomes absolutely crucial to the story, uh, because uh, once uh, Judas has um, betrayed or handed over Jesus to the to the, the chief priests, and they then hand him over to, to Pilate, uh, Judas returns the money, um, and I think this is really significant for Matthew. Um, it's not just a, a detail, and uh, and that's actually why he gets the money up front so that he can actually return this money. And he says, "I've betrayed innocent blood," and the the chief priests are uh, hugely uninterested and just say, "You know, <laughs> go and see to it yourself." Now, the penalty for betraying innocent blood in Deuteronomy numbers um, and Leviticus is is death. Hmm. And so, I think that Judas. Um, uh, Condemns himself with the appropriate penalty of expiation of, of you know, that's 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 what God requires, hmm. and uh, and so I think this this hanging himself is actually um, following um, following the law the penalty that's laid down for um, for for betraying innocent blood, um, and that actually transfers the blame uh, for Matthew uh, from Judas very much onto the chief priests because Judas never gets Jesus back in order to do anything about it. But uh, the chief priests, at least in the text, or they, they do, because Pilate uh, tries to free uh, uh, tries to free Jesus uh, because his wife has been warned in a dream mm-hmm. that uh, he's innocent. And in Matthew, that's the way God communicates, you know, through the infancy narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, God communicates with Joseph through dreams. So I think Matthew means us to understand that Pilate is getting a revelation from God that um, Jesus is innocent. And so he tries to, that, that explains uh, why Pilate tries to free him. Um, he also tries to free him in Mark, but it's not clear uh, why. Um, so, uh, and then Pilate washes his hands and says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. So Judas has repented. He's betrayed innocent blood. He's repented. He's given the penalty that's that's due. So that's, that's dealt with. Pilate washes his hands and says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. So for Matthew... Who's left? And when when Pilate says that, all of the people say, and this, of course, verse has reverberated disastrously through history, the Jewish people answer as a whole, his blood be on us and our mm. children. So I think Judas's death in Matthew functions as a way to transfer the blame 
for uh, the death of Jesus, away from Judas, away from Pilate, hmm. and very squarely onto the the the, the well in the, the text, the Jewish people. And I think what we're meant to understand by that is the destruction of the temple uh, in seventy is the 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 penalty, the destruction hmm. uh, for um, the, for this act of this act of betrayal. So so um, although uh, it looks as if Judas's death is the actual main part of the story. I think it's really just incidental to transfer mm. the, the blame here. Wow, um, that's good. Well, that's that's amazing. So, all right. So, uh, so the the two ways that he is he dies in the Gospels is he, he hangs himself, and what's what's the second one? Yeah. So in in Luke, uh, he, in in the uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, there's a there's a different version of the death. Um, so he buys a field with the money that um, that oh, he's yeah. he's. He's got from the, from the, the from betraying Jesus, um, and then it, he trips and his guts all spill out. <laughs> oh, um, Lovely. Um, there has been some um, fairly comical attempts to reconcile these two accounts. So you know, Judas <laughs> hangs himself, the rope snaps, and he spills out onto the field. But in Matthew, Judas gives the money back. In Luke, he he uses the money to buy a field. So these are two completely different accounts. And what you have in Luke is, I think, a clear example of a divine execution. Um, although it's described as a kind of accident, um, for Luke, um, God kills Judas. Mm. Um, and in Acts, God kills a few people. You know, um, Ananias and Sapphira, um, the couple who hold some money back, you know, God kills them. Um, Herod, um, Agrippa, because he doesn't give glory mm-hmm. to God, uh, um, uh, gets eaten by worms and... Uh, and, and dies dies a very painful death, and uh, in Christian tradition, um, bad rulers um, do get um, uh, bad ends, and I think this is what uh, what the, the the text is is trying to say. So, because uh, but notice, although um, uh, in later tradition, Judas's suicide is seen to compound his sin. When it comes to Luke, Luke keeps Jesus, Judas alive. Um, it, in order that, that God can kill him. And then there's a couple of later traditions that, um, that Papias, um, the second century figure, is, has preserved, where, where Judas lives even longer and he's a, a tragic figure. He's, you know, his, his body swells up and his, you know, his eyelids are dripping and he's, he can't pass through a, a gate that a, that a carriage can pass by. And there's a couple of versions of his death, you know, he just, Bloods all over the place, you know, bursts open, and oh, um, or a carriage runs him over, and his guts all spill out, and it's and you know the, the place is so smelly that people for generations, um, you know, the smell won't go away. So uh, again, it's just this <laughs> idea that you have uh, a, a bad character has a has a really uh, bad end, um, and that he just becomes a a, a monarchy. But, but but keeping him alive in order to kill him in a different way is 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 worse than that the hang you. Know, my granny used to say, "Hanging is too good for him." You know, so, uh, so, 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 um, so, although this act of suicide has, has come to be uh, to seem to compound Judas's sin from you know, Augustine onwards, um, mm. uh, there's really uh, there's no reason to to read it that way. I mean, suicide just didn't have that negative connotation. Uh, well, point. yeah, get tell us a little bit about that because I know you've you've written about this. So, in in earlier traditions, was there like a noble form of suicide and, and does does Judas's suicide maybe fit that in some way? Yeah, so um so the, the noble death tradition um is 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 a way of uh it's a kind of Greco Roman um 
old tradition where um, given the right circumstances, and this is the crucial thing, um, uh, then uh, to take one's own life is actually a, a way of restoring honour. Hmm. So um, a way of recovering um, intolerable shame or uh, you know, uh, terrible pain, it's, it's perfectly okay to do that. Or in battle, um, if you're captured or going to uh, lose then then killing yourself is is the the honorable way um, out uh, and of course there are examples in the hebrew bible of, of this there are actually six um, suicides in the, the hebrew bible and some of the characters are a wee bit kind of uh, morally ambiguous but the crucial thing is the manner of their death is never criticized so saul is a good example um where he's injured on the battlefield and is worried that he's going to be taken alive by the Philistines. And so he asks his armour bearer to, to mm. kill him and um, his armour bearer refuses. So he kills himself. And then they, um, there's like actually a couple of versions of that story as well. But, but uh, <laughs> so, so that's, and then the Philistines do make sport with his body. So he's quite right that that's, yeah. that was the, uh, and you get very, uh, lots of examples of that in kind of Roman stories of uh, Greek Roman mm. stories of generals killing themselves even things like Mark Antony and Cleopatra and you know, mm. rather than face um, the shame of, of, of capture. Uh, so the, the question is, well, does um, does Judas's death um, fall into that category? And um, as, as you mentioned, I have argued that it does, and it's a controversial view, but it, it seems to me to fall under the category of recovering uh, lost honour. Yeah. And uh, this is where it really does mirror um, Ahitophel's death in the in the, in the Hebrew Bible, um, his advice has not been taken um, uh, t- as a way of actually beating King David, and um, and uh, he the text just says he basically puts his house in order and went out and hanged himself, hmm. uh, and there's no uh, implied criticism, uh, and he's buried with his 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 ancestors, so he gets a, a kind of a noble a noble burial, uh, so. Uh, also, by following the the law laid down, um, I, I've argued that that Judas's death can be seen as a as a noble death, uh, and it's really only much later with uh, Augustine um, that uh, that suicide really becomes the the, the sin in, um, in 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 Christian uh, Christian tradition. But prior to that, I mean, you've got a lot of martyr stories where mm. um, it's well. There are actually examples of, of actual suicide um, where there's no threat to people's lives and they, they, they volunteer for, for martyrdom. So uh, it's only really um, Augustine onwards that um, suicide becomes this terrible um, sin, which then uh, causes people to reinterpret the, the Judas story, which is why we mm. only know about Judas's in popular imagination, it's Judas's death through hanging in Matthew rather than Mm. The tripping over in a field and guts spilling out in Luke that we that we, we know. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? So, so then Luke and John add an extra dimension to this, don't they? They they have Satan kind of entering. I mean, so what does it, what does that do to the story? Does it does it let Judas off because he's sort of possessed by Satan, or does it make him even worse because you know Satan joins with him? Yeah, so this is a really kind of interesting fact because again, it's it's this kind of motiveless yeah, kind of yeah. crime. So this goes a stage further, and um, yeah, Luke um, has Satan enter into Judas, uh, and interestingly, um, Judas it, it, it intends to betray Jesus with a kiss in, in Luke, but the kiss isn't actually described. So it's almost as if the kind of Satan-inspired um, uh, Judas can't actually touch Jesus. Uh, perhaps mm. there's something going on there. Mm. 
Uh, and um, at the temptation narrative right at the beginning of the, the, the gospel uh, of Luke, um, Luke alone has um, Satan left him and looked for an opportune time. And uh, ah. this is clearly the, the time um, oh. when, when he's he, back. Uh, he's He's back and uh, goes, in, goes into Judas. Uh, yeah, what does it do to the story? Does it? Um, I, I think again, it, it's it it it's. I think Luke understands, you know, given the way he kills him off, that this is this is again just a, 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 a you know, Satan, uh, Luke. You know, Judas allows Satan to to uh, invade him. It's more interesting in in John though, because um, uh, when we take the the the, the meal. Um, Jesus knows exactly who's going to, to betray him. It's not just the one that's eating with him, but the one who dips his bread. And Jesus dips the bread into the, the cup and then he gives it to Judas mm. and Satan enters him. Now, I think that is Jesus in John controlling Satan. I think it's John has Jesus put Satan into into uh, Judas uh, because in, in John Jesus really controls events in a way which uh, you know, goes well beyond the uh, Matthew Mark and Luke um, and and there's no exorcism in John mm. uh, it's almost that it would be beneath Jesus to to kind of uh, get himself entangled with Satan um, personally um, mm. so he even controls uh, Satan here uh, and when when Judas comes to the the, the, the garden in um in John, John doesn't really know what to do with them. He brings the, the soldiers um, and then he just says, oh, and Judas was standing there because Jesus says, you know, I am he and all the soldiers fall down. And um, and then Jesus consents <laughs> to be to be arrested. Um, so the story, John kind of loses control of the story a wee bit there um, because he, he, he's he got Judas. Judas probably doesn't even need to be there. Um, he doesn't point him out. Uh, just they all arrive and um, Jesus says, who are you looking for? So he doesn't actually need betraying. Um, in in, uh, in in John, um, but he has to do something um, something with uh, with Judas. Well, so this character, yeah, he he keeps evolving. There's, tell us about the Gospel of Judas. Like, um, I'm assuming this was obviously written sometime after after the four Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. So, what do we know about this, and how how is Judas presented in 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 this text? I understand, like. He, him and him, him and Jesus are good buddies, and and it's a little bit different, right? Yeah. So uh, this is a text that is known about for a long time, but the only the complete text was discovered um, quite recently. Um, I think it was published in National Geographic in two thousand six or so. Uh, and the spin that they put on it was um, uh, Jesus and Judas arranged the the, the betrayal. Um, and they're you know, good buddies, as you say. I'm not actually sure the text really says that um, okay. because um, uh, this is a, a kind of Gnostic, kind of esoteric text, and uh, Jesus isn't really human. He just resides occasionally in a in a human body, hmm. and he does have conversations with Judas and says he's going to reveal the secrets. Um, but he calls him the the thirteenth uh, devil or thirteenth demon. Um, oh. So he's not very nice. And Jesus isn't very nice in this text at all, actually. He laughs at the disciples all the time and makes them feel bad about themselves. Um, so uh, And he laughs at Judas uh, a, a few times too. And he says that someone else is going to take his place. Um, and there's not really any indication. Uh, I think the, the spin that, um, that they planned the... The, the betrayal together actually comes from um, kind of uh, other stories like you know the last temptation of Christ you know the, the novel um, mm. where 
that very much does happen. So I think uh, folk have got a wee bit carried away um, with the, their interpretation of, of, of this. But it's, it's, a, it's a pretty weird text, actually. Um, it's all about the... <laughs> and what about other sort of afterlives of Judas? He had He had quite a sort of popular... Um, innings, didn't he? I mean, there's lots of art and stuff like that. And I mean, everyone's sort of intrigued by Judas, aren't they? Yeah, well, even by the end of the gospel tradition, you've still got this kind of unsatisfactory question mm. about why um, Judas uh, betrayed Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the gospel writers struggle for a, a reason. Um, money gets involved. Um, John says that Judas is the prosperer, but again, um, as I said, you know, he, he actually doesn't even have a betrayal scene as, as such. Um, and of course, it raises this extremely um, problematic theological question about um, free will. Mm. Mm. And uh, so, so you get various traditions about, well, was was you know, did Judas and Jesus plan the betrayal in order to get uh, uh, to to, to to get Jesus arrested so that God would intervene. Um, so to take the, the kind of the message uh, forward. Um, and, uh, and even more crucially, you've got the, uh, some people play well, Jesus Christ superstar, for example, in the, the confrontation between uh, Jesus and Judas. And um, when Jesus reveals that Judas is going to betray him, um, Judas turns around and says, what if I just stayed here and ruined your ambition? <laughs> um, you know, th- so you've got this, this, this problem. Well, if Judas didn't betray Jesus, um, then the, the the crucifixion, resurrection, salvation wouldn't have happened. Uh, so you've got these really kind of big questions about free will, um, and the, the the you know what chance did did Judas have? Um, you know he had to become the the betrayer in order to to move the the action forward, and that's that's played out in 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 a lot of uh, kind of art and uh, novels and uh, and and films. Mm, I always feel a bit sorry for poor old Judas. I mean, for yeah, exactly right? that reason. You kind of think, well, if it's if it's sort of predestined for him that he's mm. going to be the one to betray, then, then yeah, what what else could he do? It does seem a bit harsh. Yeah, and it's something that doesn't seem to have occurred to the gospel writers. Uh, they, no. I mean, they just tell the story. They're, they're, it's, it's, uh, this is what I mean by it. it's, a, it's a really underdeveloped story. It's uh, there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing there. Uh, but yeah, you get. Um, that kind of sympathy for, for Judas. Uh, I think there's a, an African American spiritual that uh, says, "When you get to heaven, rub poor little Judas's head." And um, <laughs> and uh, a wonderful poem by a Scottish um, Scottish poet, um, Transfiguration, where it talks about the 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 undoing of the the deeds um, when 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 the end comes, the consummation mm. comes, um, and and. Uh, Judas take the journey back to his mother's knee, his deeds unforgotten, um, yeah. his deed forgotten. Um, so, so yeah, people have um, had that kind of sympathy with Judas and, and tried to explain um, w- what he was doing. And uh, and that's that's led to this really colourful uh, kind of afterlife. Uh, other tellings of stories, uh, like Mel Gibson's kind of Passion of the Christ, he's just that kind of kind of uh, archetypal um, mm. evil um, character mm. and um, and there is obviously a a, a, a lot of anti-Semitic tropes uh, through Christian retellings of the Judas uh, story where Judas represents um, you know all Jews um, who have betrayed and um, been responsible for mm. uh, for for deicide and and 
you know, many theologians have, have, have um, Judas has been saddled with that as well, and that's had you know, terrible effects in the history of, of mm. Christianity and Jewish-Christian relations. Doesn't he usually have red hair in the in the um, artistic tradition? Yes. Um, but what, yeah, what does red, that signify? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think red hair was a sign of the of the devil, actually. Oh. Um, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe because in yeah, I think that the 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 screenplay of the Last Temptation of Christ Scorsese's film, he's got um, red hair, hasn't he? But yeah, that, that, but that's a, I think that's that is as old as medieval um, period. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's something to do with the um, the de- the devil. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm married to a redhead. That's not true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some yeah. some redheads. Should probably, somebody should probably check that. Just yeah, I'm going to check. Some redheads are evil. <laughs> not all. I think them. that's right. I think there is something linked to that. But yeah, not great for people in Scotland, is it? There's a yes, lot there's of red a lot hair. Of red, red hair people in Scotland. Um, for people who are listening, I don't have any hair, um, <laughs> let alone um, red. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, this is this has been amazing. I I I think people are rightly fascinated with the character of Judas, like we were just talking about. He has he has lasted through the centuries as this this figure who, um, you know, apart from Helen, who has some sympathy for him, I think yeah, unfortunately he's been uh, he's been saddled with this this betrayal, and um, and it is it's it's a confusing one, like you said, when you look at the text, why we don't really know. So, um, well, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. We will definitely have you back to talk about some more of the areas that you specialize in. But uh, as for now, this has been another episode of Biblical Time Machine, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.